From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Political neutrality, not with Timothy Shea. This is The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. You know, uh, these people, what is up with these people? What is wrong with these people? I get that you might not like Donald Trump's bluster. You might not be a fan of mean tweets, although we love the mean tweets. Sorry, love them. Why? Well, there was a Democrat running for office in New Hampshire, and he went on CNN and he said, I'd never been to a Trump rally before, but we're supposed to be open-minded and tolerant. So I went across the street. I had an event across the street from the Trump rally, campaign event, and I went across and the line was around the corner. And I talked to over 50 Trump supporters. And these people were articulate. They were civil. They were kind. They were engaging. And they said that Donald Trump is the only politician that makes them feel like they're being listened to. And then he said, our party is completely delusional and listed off an entire litany of ways that the Democrat Party is not engaging with mainstream America. It's an extreme hard left. Progressive isn't even the word because they're regressive. Between their push of Islam and their push of totalitarianism, they want to take us back 100 years or more. No, it's only the America first MAGA Republicans that are far from being extremists are the mainstream in this country. We are a center-right country. And yet Fox News is all in for Nikki. They had to feature yesterday the three women sitting at the diner table, one a self-proclaimed political operative, <laughs> the only political operative I've ever known and calls himself a political operative, has the right to call himself a political operative. And that would be sneak preview here. Tomorrow night's guest, Roger Stone. Now, this young woman couldn't have been more than 24, 25 by the looks of her, proclaimed herself to be a political operative. And her principles wouldn't allow her to vote for Donald Trump if he somehow gets the nomination. Oh, that's a great Republican operative right there. That right there shows you where the Republican Party is, where the GOP is. And that right there, that woman right there is the problem, or part of the problem. Another part of the problem, the woman sitting immediately to her right, who proclaimed as a Christian conservative, she couldn't in good conscience vote for Donald Trump. Oh, really? Why is that exactly? Seriously, what issues are on your deal breaker list? Is it the fact that he doesn't want the tens of millions of dollars or tens of millions of illegal invaders that have poured across our border in the last three years to stay here, that he plans to deport them? Is it that he's going to build a wall to keep people that shouldn't be here illegally out? One of whom, by the way, is a self-proclaimed terrorist who has been in prison for terrorism, yet there he was on the southern border saying, you don't know my name now, but you will soon. Tell me that's not a threat. We have Chinese Red Army sleeper cells here because we've had thousands of Chinese come across our southern border. 
Last time I checked, the Chinese weren't being oppressed in Central America and they weren't fleeing repressive regimes. The big lie is that these are economic migrants just looking for a better way of life. Well, great. We are happy to welcome them if they come here legally. That's all we ask. Obey the law. Nah, obeying the law is too much for Democrats because <laughs> apparently you have to break the law in order to even run for a position as a Democrat these days. No, we've got a border showdown going on. We've got a border war going on down in Texas, except the war is on the same side of the border. It is the former and perhaps future Republic of Texas, the current state of Texas against the federal government. Don't mess with Texas, Stumblebum Joe. It won't end up well for you. Texas is standing firm. They don't care what the Supreme Court says. Uh, to quote someone years ago, how many divisions does the Supreme Court have? Meaning, I'm going to do whatever the hell I please. Let the Supreme Court try to enforce their their decision. Oh, yes. And by the way, the person that said that was a Democrat. So turnabout's fair play, right, Joe? Greg Abbott. And Ken. You shouldn't have tried to impeach Ken. You really shouldn't have tried to impeach Ken Paxton. Because now <laughs> he is doubling down on the booyah. He's not having it anymore. And Texas is standing on the Constitution. And they hold the ultimate Trump card. And that's not Donald Trump. That is the provision in their state constitution that reserved their right, their sole right, don't need anybody's permission except that of their citizens, to secede from the United States. You really want to go there, Joe? Texas is more than willing to. I think that somebody's going to blink, and I don't think it's going to be Governor Greg Abbott. I'm Timothy Shea. This is The Reckoning on today's News Talk, TNT. For a complete list of shows and our schedule offered on TNT, simply visit our website. We serve up the latest live news and current affairs presented by a host of credible and expert commentators who can separate fact from fiction, truth from propaganda. Right here on today's News Talk, TNT. Going 360 on the headlines. It's really well-balanced conversation. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Two wealthy real estate moguls are suing the centrist group No Labels over an alleged bait-and-switch scheme involving political donations. Here with the story, joining me now is TNT News producer Adam Clark, also known as Ruckus. Thanks, Timothy. Let's be a little more specific here. They're not just wealthy uh, real estate moguls uh, who happen to be from New York. They're actual mega donors um, and this bait and switch situation, to, um, which excuse me to to one party, yeah. uh, Adam, or are they to both parties? Would, would it be just yeah, well, perhaps one party? Well, they they were seeking donations. Uh, the the group uh, no no um, labels was supposed to seek donations as a bipartisan group. And then uh, they're now being accused of doing a bait and switch. They pulled the rug out and changed their minds. And now they want to finance a third party presidential campaign. And at least two of the donors said, whoa, 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 we didn't sign up for that. That would be uh, some pretty big names. Actually, they're two members of the Durst organization, um, Chairman Douglas Durst and President Jonathan Durst. They filed a breach of contract 
contract, excuse me, and quote unquote, unjust enrichment suit on Tuesday in the New York Supreme Court. Their cousins who lead the powerful real estate company, I'm sure you know which one, uh, I've already said it, the Durst organization, <laughs> uh, they're seeking damages and reimbursements for the 150, uh, sorry, $145,000 donated to no labels as early as 2020. Uh, the attorney for uh, the Durst's, uh, Randy Mastro, um, I guess he's with the firm who's representing the Durst's, he told the New York Times that the Durst's only agreed to the donation because they believed no labels was committed to promoting bipartisanship. He says, quote, this is the attorney speaking, Rando Mastro, quote, they never imagined at the time that no labels would pivot to becoming the organization behind a quixotic third party candidacy that could skew the most consequential presidential election of our lifetime. The Durst's believe they were sold a bill of goods and they want no part of it. End quote. This is actually the latest complaint against the supposedly third party group which has been accused by Democratic allies and lawmakers of working to prevent President Joe Biden's reelection and aid a Republican victory in the 2024 election. The group, which has long sought to open doors for third party candidates in several presidential contests, has been criticized for straying from its founding mission. Uh, that's politics. Uh, the lawsuit reads, according to The New York Times, quote, this case seeks to hold no labels accountable for the consequences of its misguided actions that have left its original benefactors like the Durst's feeling bewildered, betrayed and outraged. End quote. The lawsuit adds that had, quote, no labels ever given any indication that it might pursue such a gambit, the Durst's never would have funded the organization, end quote. No Labels does not disclose its donors, and it has achieved ballot access in at least 14 states, most recently in Kansas and Maine. The group has also gained access to ballots in Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, Florida, Hawaii, Mississippi, Nevada, North Carolina, Oregon, South Dakota, and Utah for the 2024 election. Some political groups, such as Third Way, have gone so far as to accuse the third-party group of wanting a contingent election, during which a Republican House majority would likely select Donald Trump as the president. The lawsuit states, quote, a third-party ticket option will only discourage bipartisan reform because it will take votes away from one of the major political candidates, giving an advantage to the other candidate. Quote. I imagine if it was, you know, the shoe on the other foot, they wouldn't be complaining. Uh, no labels officials repeatedly have said their participation in the 2024 election is contingent on the Democratic and Republican nominees. But they are searching to find alternatives for voters who do not want to see a repeat of the 2020 election. The Durst suit details personal interactions with the pair who are not registered Democrats had with no labels over the last few years. The real estate moguls accused the third party group of working against Biden's Build Back Better legislation and calling the work of the House Select Committee investigating Jan 6, 2021, quote, a partisan exercise. Uh, finally, the suit states that whether it's a breach of contract, quote, breach of the covenant of good faith and fair dealing, promissory estoppel or unjust enrichment, it is wrong and no labels must now be held accountable for it, end quote. There's the report. Timothy, what is your uh, reaction to this one? Well, this is actually a very serious lawsuit because in New York State, New York State is very, very stringent on businesses, even you know to the point of 
of going after people whose own banks love them. No, they're going to find they're going to find a crime in there, Adam, if they want to. Uh, but here are some real crimes. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, Tish James prosecutes uh, no labels for breach of contract, unjust enrichment, promissory estoppel, et cetera. These are crimes that are being alleged. And New York State traditionally does not look kindly on corporate shenanigans, especially not nonprofit shenanigans. So it, it will be very telling if uh, Trish takes a pass, if our good friend, the DA in Manhattan takes a pass, you know that everything else is just politics because these are actually very serious allegations. And what's no labels expected defense going to be? Wow, we're, we're bipartisan. We've got a ticket of Nikki Haley and Joe Manchin we want to put forward. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to be talking about this more tomorrow night with Roger Stone, but this primary, this Republican primary is going to go one of two ways. Either Nikki's going to drop out in the next week because she doesn't want to be embarrassed in her home state of South Carolina. She's going to drop out and then eventually, if not immediately, hook up with Joe Manchin as a third party candidate under the no labels banner, or she's going to stick it out until the bitter end, go all the way to the convention to push the false narrative that Donald Trump can't win in the general. Can't win in the general? Despite having 73% of her votes come from Democrats and independents, Nikki couldn't pull more than 46%. She lost by the biggest vote total ever. President Trump got the highest percentage of the vote in the biggest vote total ever in New Hampshire, despite the fact that the Republican Secretary of State wouldn't abide by the law and close the Republican Party election. That's right. The election yesterday in New Hampshire was illegal under New Hampshire law. Uh, but again, no consequences for Democrats and for establishment Republicans, only for conservatives, Adam. Well, I, I think that this is a serious issue, and I would love to see my state attorney general look into this and vigorously prosecute if indeed crimes have occurred. All right. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a little skeptical when it comes to prosecuting of crimes in our country these days, um, unfortunately. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, 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 I'm not going to hold my breath on this one. Um, and of course, uh, an attorney representing, I forgot his name, Webb, Dan Webb. He's an attorney who volunteered for no labels. He's also the co-executive chairman at Winston and Strawn. He dismissed the lawsuit and called it frivolous and meritless. So that's their current defense against this. And it's not like I wouldn't call it frivolous. They just want their money back. Right. Like you, you donate a, a bunch of money. It was supposed to go for X, Y and Z. And you went with A, B and C. Hey, I want my money back, too. You know, no big deal. Oh, absolutely. No, they are completely in the right. This bait and switch is a, you know, any allegation of fraud, if it's made corporately, is, is very serious. And I'm not kidding. I really hope that the attorney general will investigate this and determine whether there has been fraud. But Adam, like you, I'm not holding my breath. Thanks for another great story. You're listening to The Reckoning on today's News Talk, TNT. TNT's Kate Shimarani. I'm of the, the belief that your body can totally, 100% heal itself if you remove the offending things 
and you flood your body with what it needs. What do your dogs and your kids do when they get sick? They lie down and sleep, don't they? They don't want to eat. They get great big temperatures and they just want to rest. What, do you think you're a special, special snowflake? You're any different? No, that's you as well. But what do they want to do when you go to the hospital? I've seen it firsthand in the last couple of weeks. They're just going to serve you rubbish food, wheat, sugar, dairy, animal protein, tea and coffee, fluoridated, fluoridated, bromine, water, drugs, pharmaceutical petroleum-based drugs. Kate Shimarani on today's News Talk TNT. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. They've launched a new service called Wake Up Your Neighbours, where you can get copies delivered to the streets right around you if you don't want to do it yourself. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk Internet. Internet. A stream online. TNT Radio.live. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Edward Dowd is a former equity portfolio manager for BlackRock and is widely considered to be a hedge fund guru. Using his quantitative analytical skills, Ed dug into the statistics relating to COVID-19 and summarized his findings in Cause Unknown, the epidemic of sudden deaths in 2021 and 2022. He joins us tonight to discuss the U.S. economy and how last week's meeting of the World Economic Forum in Davos might impact it in both the short and the long term. We'd like to welcome back to The Reckoning, Edward Dowd. Thanks for having me on again. Great to be here. Great to have you, Ed. Uh, last week in Davos was was very interesting. First, everyone was criticizing the Federalist Society uh, chairman from going over there, and or the Heritage uh, Foundation. I'm sorry, Heritage Foundation president from going over there, and and he really kind of stuck a thumb in their eyes, didn't he? Uh, he certainly did, and. You know, we're starting to see a break, a break in ranks. I mean, Jamie Dimon of J.P. Morgan said that mm-hmm. Trump is inevitable. Uh, other others are joining uh, that chorus, and uh, you know, it's a good thing. Uh, it clearly uh, shows that um, the World Economic Forum in its current uh, iteration doesn't necessarily have all bad people. Some people are there to be part of the the, the crew and be on the inside, but it looks like people are breaking ranks. Yeah, and Jamie, more, you know, a lot of credit to him. He even went further and said, look, and he got the number wrong. He said 70 million. It was more like 75 to 80 million. But he said, you can't just badmouth 70 million Americans. These aren't all bad people. And then he recited a, a litany of President Trump's policy successes, his economic successes. And, and Jamie fair mindedly said, look, the guy's not Satan when it comes to the economy. And they were aghast on the news shows when he said this, but he was exactly correct. You know, it just it shows Jamie and a a whole host of these other people at the WEF are not necessarily members of the cult. They're practical businessmen. And when the tide was going one way, they jump on board and they can they they can read the room. The the tide's turning and now they're jumping up again. This is what bankers do. Bankers will flip on a dime. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I got to give him credit for being smart, noticing the trend. And uh, the trend the trend is a strong one. Uh, look, you know, Trump in the last uh, two um, primaries just blew it away. Uh, Biden uh, is probably, in my humble opinion, not going to make it to the uh, to the election. They'll probably swap him out for someone else. The, the chatter is Michelle Obama. I don't think that's going to mm-hmm. work. And then I'm supporting Bobby Kennedy. And uh, he's got a shot as an independent. So it's going to be an interesting race. At least we're going to have some different conversations this time around than we did uh, in prior elections. Trump started to stir it up and uh, they've demonized him to the point where people don't even want to listen to what he has to say, unfortunately, because they've been brainwashed into thinking he's uh, uh, Lucifer himself, which we all know is nonsense. Well, I think that's exactly why Vivek was in the race up until last week, because he was acting as the stalking horse for Donald Trump. He was at the debates. Trump wasn't going to be at the debates. I think Vivek's job was to go to the the debates and expose that audience of mostly never Trumpers that was watching the debates to the America First talking points, in effect, bringing the light of Trump without bringing the heat. That's correct. And ideas uh aren't owned by anyone and unfortunately emotions rule a lot of people and so this this intelligence operation that was launched after trump got elected to demonize him and basically frame him as a russian spy was very effective in making people uh turn off their critical thinking skills and not listening to the message and if you look at what trump did uh in his four years there were no major wars now we have uh wars and wars and you know uh rumors of wars with biden I mean, it's it's the complete opposite of what they said that Trump was going to do during his, his four years, that he was going to be a warmonger. Well, the evidence is he wasn't. Well, and it's, it's, that's what their game plan is, right? They said that Ronald Reagan was going to press the button as soon as he got into office. And the exact opposite was true. By shortly after the end of his second term, the Soviet Union is the one that ended up collapsing. And with no shooting war at all, it was an economic war and we won and the Soviet Union lost. But they always fear monger. You know, Bob Dole was going to push grandma over the cliff in her in her wheelchair. And they always fear monger. And the truth is exactly the opposite of what they always say. I think you're exactly correct that Stumblebum Joe isn't going to be the nominee. I said that on January 20th, 2021. I said, there's no way this guy makes it to the end of his term. They're going to swap him out. And the only question is, who are they going to slot in? And you're right. It will be interesting. I've been hearing uh, Michelle Obama tomorrow night's guest, Roger Stone, thinks that there's a good chance that it will be Michelle. We'll see if his thinking has changed. I I can't see it being Kamala. She's even more unpopular than Joe. And I think that they floated the trial balloon with Gruesome Newsome, and he didn't pass muster either. So... Assuming it's none of those people, let's speculate for a moment, who among the Democrats do you think might be put forward as a a knight in shining armor to rescue us from the dreaded orange man bad? You know, other than Michelle Obama, I'm at a loss. Uh, There's no one out there that could, uh, has the name recognition. They tried, I heard they floated Pritzker, but he has no Mm -hmm. name recognition. He he brings money because he's a billionaire to the race, but he doesn't bring any name recognition. So I'm at a loss other than Michelle Obama to figure out what they're gonna try to do. And Kamala, you're right, is so unpopular and she can't put two sentences together and she is not senile. So that's a problem. 
Right. Yeah. At least Joe has an excuse. Exactly. Uh, and, and you're right. You know, Pritzker, in addition to, you know, all he has is money. The people of Illinois hate him. Even the Democrats in Illinois hate him. So he's a non-starter. I, I'm with you. I can't think of one Democrat that is popular enough in the Democrat Party to get the job done. All they can do is illegally cross over in open primary, you know, primaries like New Hampshire's, because last night was an illegal race or yesterday's race was illegal. They didn't follow the law. It should have been closed to Republicans only under New Hampshire law. Uh, but the the weak need GOP secretary of state went along with what Bill Gardner had been doing for 46 years and just allowing people to to vote in whichever primary they wanted. Well, that's not the law in New Hampshire. We need we need some courts to to start enforcing that. A lawsuit was brought and the justices dismissed it for lack of standing, which was ridiculous because it was a GOP county chairwoman who who brought the lawsuit. Uh, so if that's all that they can do is try to cross over and stop Trump using Nikki Haley, 73% of her vote came from non-Republicans and she still couldn't pull more than 46%. So uh, I think you're right. I think Trump is inevitable. But now the only thing we need to watch is Nikki Haley. She should pull out of the race. Normal people would pull out of the race, but if she continues to get funding, the game plan is to keep her around and hope that Trump gets indicted and disqualified. That's well, that's the or hope. worse or worse. We all know right. to what I'm alluding, right? Because that's my right. actual fear, Ed. My fear is that they're going to try to RFK him. And you're and, exactly correct. I said she's I said in the opening, she's either going to drop out before South Carolina so she doesn't get embarrassed and run under the no labels party banner, or she's going to you know, take the money and stay until the convention to push the false Trump can't win the general narrative. That's correct. So we'll, we'll know soon enough what's going on and what the plans are. It's speculation at this point. But if I had to bet money, the way she's speaking, I won tonight. And she's declared right. victory. It, it's it's gaslighting 101. You don't engage in gaslighting unless you're going to carry this through to the end. She's not in control of her own words. So if she's truly owned by money to stay into the convention, uh, that's my bet because I'm watching what she says and does, and it's it, it's it's just beyond. I'm with you. The pale. And what, the, the, yeah, yeah, I'm with you because what she said after Iowa it made me certain that I was right about that. That we were right. Uh, when she said this is now a two-person race, even though she finished third, and Ron DeSantis hadn't yet dropped out. So I think the fix is in, and that Nikki will be here, uh, pain in our side, until the convention. You're listening to today's News Talk, TNT. Well, what's the news? TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Jeff DeWitt, the chair of the Arizona Republican Party, announced his resignation on Wednesday, following the leak of a recording where he was heard offering Carrie Lake potential Senate candidate money to withdraw from the race. Renowned cancer researchers at Harvard, including top personnel at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, or DFCI, an affiliate of Harvard Medical School, are facing accusations of scientific misconduct involving 37 studies. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. And I want to talk about the economy and some structural issues we're having. But before we get there, you made a, you gave us some great insight there as to how bankers think and how they work. You were on the inside of the belly of the beast, right? The 
the the three-headed dragon that people always refer to is BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard owning you know most of the world. Give people a sense of what goes on in these organizations, particularly with your experience with BlackRock. You know, separate the fact from the fiction because I I think there's a lot of fiction among the fact. Yes, they do own a lot, but and are they pushing an agenda? Perhaps, but. If you could just lay out, you know, what BlackRock is, how it operates, and what its objectives are. Well, there's a lot of confusion around this issue. There was a trend that took off uh, about 20 years ago called uh, passive investments versus active. Active is what I did. You know, I was the portfolio manager, and I picked the stocks in the portfolio and tried to beat the market. Uh, then there was this creation of what's called ETFs, uh, electronic traded funds. And BlackRock bought iShares uh, in 2010 or 11, I believe, and uh, became one of the biggest uh, ETF uh, distributors in, in, on the globe, alongside Vanguard and State Street. And it's and it's been increasingly going towards passive investments. And it's it's kind of false to say BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street own these companies. They they don't own these companies. They are agents. Uh, managing the money of the owners, the true owners are you and me, pension funds, municipalities, uh, you know, 401ks. Those are the owners. The danger and the, the problem has come, and even Charlie Munger has talked about this. He, 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 he lamented that he didn't want Larry Fink to be his emperor. And what he meant by that was uh, because of the um, consolidation of the industry uh, monies into passive investments, the voting of the shares which used to reside at the individual portfolio manager level like myself, has been kicked up to an executive committee uh, at the top of the food chain where they get to vote the shares for the ETFs, which are the majority of the, of the ownership. And so there is potential for them to push agendas. And, and uh, to your point about Wall Street, uh, you know, Larry Fink is quoted in the newspapers recently, uh, kind of walking back ESG, and I'm sure soon enough, DEI will be walked back as well. Uh, once, a tr once a trend peaks and turns, they'll jump off the trend and they'll go the other way. That's just they're just they're they're hardcore businessmen. When a trend is trending, they 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 hop on board. They try to make money off it, and when it comes back to bite them in the butt, uh, they uh, do a little cleanup and then go attack the other way. This is just banker 101. It's been going on for centuries. This is what they do. In in fact, it's even more pointed than that because. People refer to the old boys club, and of course, it's no longer just men. There's a lot of uh, female executives in the industry now, too. But they fail to appreciate how cutthroat and how competitive Wall Street is. And I, I tell people, look, it's so competitive that one firm bought a building across the street from the New York Stock Exchange so that the uh, trunk line, the trades would get there faster using the internet hub going into the uh, New York Stock Exchange. And another company bought a building even closer. So we're talking literally about millions of a seconds difference. But if my trade can beat your trade by millions of a second, mine gets filled before yours does and the price will change by the time uh, they fill your trade, even though it was just a you know, a couple millionths of a second later. And it's extremely cutthroat in the way that these guys make money isn't just to ride a trend as long as it goes, but to 
that's what the analysts do. They try to predict the trends. And if you can jump on a trend before it starts to trend, you're the one that's going to be making most of the money. Correct. And, you know, Wall Street's viewed as this giant monolith that all acts in unison. It's, it's anything but the truth. It's cutthroat, turkey, shark. And if you go back to the financial crisis, um, there was fear on Wall Street because everybody was looking at their counterparties and wondering if they're going to go bankrupt. And that's what yeah. happens on Wall Street. It, it, this this is Sharky Shark, and you know Vanguard competes against BlackRock for market share, and State Street competes against Vanguard and BlackRock for market share, and BlackRock competes against those two. So it's a market share game for them, and uh, that's what's currently going on. And ESG was a way to charge higher fees because ESG requires uh, certain portfolio construction and 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 and, and monitoring of rules. That you know allows you to charge more money, so yeah. you know so so a lot of people would buy these ESG funds at the four hundred one k level, feeling good about themselves that they're doing good, and they were getting charged more for it. I mean that generally speaking was the case. I don't know about every fund, but generally speaking, ESG funds have higher fees than than other passive funds. I can testify to that. I used to work for Calvert Group in Bethesda, Maryland, and Calvert Group's claim to fame was twofold. It had the first black portfolio manager in the industry, and it also had the first socially conscious fund. So it didn't invest in South African stocks. This is back in the, the mid to late 80s. In, in stocks like that, this is well before ESG, but it was the same principle. We're going to be socially conscious. We're only going to invest in socially conscious firms oh and by the way our fees are going to be a just just a little bit more but you know you're, you're paying you're paying a little bit more for that ability to sleep at night knowing that you're being socially responsible it's just like the green energy Vir dodge right Vir virtue costs more money apparently yeah of um, course yeah the, the the esg thing had noble intent but it's been proven time and time again that esg strategies underperform the stock market uh over time uh, because you're you're eliminating big chunks of the indices uh, that 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 do produce returns, um, and I also think it got perverted as well. There somehow became a, a an ESG score that somehow once Elon Musk bought uh, uh, Twitter, his score went away and he was no longer considered an ESG. So it became political, obviously, and you know politics should never factor in this. But like any institution, we see it's become more of a social policy tool than an actual economic tool. Absolutely. And, and that's what I think people chafe about is the fact that, you know, these corporations are clearly just pandering in order to hit their bottom line. Like they don't really care that people are boycotting Bud Light because they also own, you know, AB InBev owns uh, Modelo as well. And Modelo has filled the space that Bud Light used to occupy. So, you know, I think people are starting to see that they're starting to recognize what's going on. They're starting to feel scammed, quite honestly. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think DEI and ESG, uh, we, we're past the peak. And I think over time, uh, that's going to unwind itself because these things have a natural, I mean, the, 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 the beginnings of this date back 20 years ago, this has been going on for sure. 20 years. Yeah. And a lot of people are just discovering it in the last five, but the seeds were sown a long time ago. And when it's become uh, a, a, a disparaging thing amongst most people on, uh, in the United States of America that we're past the peak and corporate America is going to figure that out soon enough. Unfortunately, they live in a bubble. So a lot of these guys are still doing it. But uh, once they figure out it's hurting the bottom line, they'll ditch it. And also the other thing is you're going to a recession. DEI is not a revenue generating 
department. No. It's a, it, it bureaucratic costs. And guess who's going to be the first to go in a downturn? If you're not touching revenues and your expense, you're gone. These people are all going to get blown out. It's exactly correct. And the way I analogize it, it's it's like slang, right? As soon as the adults start using the slang that the the kids are using, it's it's way past it's way past its exp expiration date. The kids aren't using those words anymore. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think the the stake through the heart of DEI is going to be Boeing with its its you know drag queen CEO uh, is bad enough creating a poor corporate image, but Boeing has some serious issues with quality control. We had the door blowing off of the Alaska airplane. Uh, I think there's going to be a real look at where our priorities are. Do we want an airplane company, airplane manufacturing company to uh, promote social values, or do we want them to build safe planes? And I think everybody's going to come down on the, the safe plane side of, of that question. You're listening to The Reckoning on today's News Talk. TNT. While serving in Afghanistan, I was hit by sniper fire. The fighting was so intense, the medevac chopper was barely able to land. In the hospital, I was given a 5% chance to live. It's a good thing math wasn't my best subject. Today, I visit classrooms and share my story. I talk to kids about dealing with life's struggles. I tell them, with a little help and a lot of work, that you can overcome any challenge. DAV helps veterans like Adam get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. I know that some struggles are big and some are small, but they're all struggles, and you have to learn to get through them. With support from DAV, more veterans like me can live their best life. And as a new father, I have one more reason to keep on keeping on. My victory is being there for the next generation. Adam Alexander, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You are loved. You are valued. You are resilient. You got this. You are there for them. We are here for you. Find free care guides at aarp.org slash caregiver. Well, welcome to The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. So Ed, thanks for that insight into how Wall Street operates and, and what firms think and how they approach investing. I've long said that the President of the United States can't, except for easing regulation, create a good economy, but it could do an awful lot that will screw the economy up. And I think that Joe Biden has proven my thesis. What exactly has gone wrong to turn a roaring Trump economy into Bidenomics? Well, there's a couple things going on. A lot of the uh, numbers you're seeing uh, economically have been uh, kind of manufactured. We, we, we looked at last year's job numbers. They've all been revised down every month to the tune of uh, about a half a million jobs revised lower throughout 2023. In the fourth, uh, in the uh, month of December, the job growth was all from government jobs and healthcare. So we're, we're uh, harvesting the dead and sick and we're uh, creating jobs that don't produce anything, just uh, more rules and regulations. So that economy is unsustainable. The fourth quarter GDP number was 4.9%. 
when you back out all the government spending and the government transfers, it was actually minus 1%. So this is basically an economy that is being painted to look good, but we all know that uh, underneath it, uh, no one's feeling good. The inflation, the job numbers uh, under the hood, we lost one and a half million permanent jobs in the month of December. So there's a lot of stuff under the hood that looks awful. Uh, we know that uh, bank failures occurred last March. We know more coming uh, probably in the next 12 months. We know uh, we're hearing of uh, auto, used auto car uh, dealers going bankrupt. Lots of stocks are heading to zero in bankruptcy. So you can tell uh, that the lending environment is constricting. Lending is the lifeblood of the economy and there's a credit contraction underway. And that'll that'll the stock market will figure that out soon enough once it's done doing what we call a blow off top. And I want to remind people about the stock market. So in, in 2007, we had subprime failures. We had bank failures. We had the economy feeling awful. Stocks didn't peak out until November of that year. And then uh, and by the way, the Fed was already cutting interest rates. And then we uh, had a 50 percent uh, loss in the stocks over the next year and a half. So. Don't get fooled by stock prices being okay. It's the same kind of um, market makeup that we saw then. Seven stocks leading the indices while the rest of the stocks are not catching up. Same thing happened in the top in 07. I think that's great advice. And yeah, two ways that they lied. Look, politicians are always going to lie about the numbers, right? They're always going to spin them to their advantage. And that's that's politics. And we've come to expect it. We wouldn't expect anything otherwise. But there, there are two ways that the Biden administration has lied to the American people about these numbers that hit home. People get this. They might not be sophisticated Wall Street analysts and might not have the uh, advantages of inside knowledge that, that you have and that, that your peers have, but they understand their kitchen table economics. And in the two big lies last year, where, as you mentioned, we lost 1.5 million permanent jobs. And yet the Obama or the, yeah, there's, there's a Freudian slip for you, right? Because we all know this is Obama 3.0. The same people that ran him, his administration are running this administration. They touted the job growth, touting the number of jobs. It's like, yeah, but people now have to have two part-time jobs to replace the one permanent job that they lost. So yeah, the number of jobs is up, but the percentage that were uh, part-time jobs was incredible. And people got that. They understood that, that the administration was lying about those numbers. And the other lie that's being told is about the inflation rate. Well, who cares if the rate is down? Inflation is cumulative and a loaf of bread still costs almost twice what it did at the end of the Trump administration. Yeah, the, the bottom line is this. We have an economy uh, that, to the real person, is not going well at all. I apologize for the landscaper in the background, but uh, we have an economy that um, uh, has seen inflation, which, as you pointed out, has not come down. It's, it's The rate of change has slowed. And... Uh, as we go forward throughout this year, we're seeing massive layoffs by corporate America. And also, the big thing people don't understand is the tax receipts are way down. So the revenues of the country are way down, and the deficit spending is way up. So this party of government spending is going to end fairly soon. And when it does, that's when the economy finally gives up the ghost in terms of the mainstream media, not, not what we already know is going on. And how do you think... Let's look forward and assume that President Trump 
is reelected in January 20th, 2025. He's once again uh, in the Oval Office. What can he do and how quickly can he implement changes that are going to turn this ship around? Or is it going to be like an aircraft carrier that's going to going to take a few months or even a couple of years to turn around? Well, right now, it's all hands on deck from the uh, Federal Reserve and the U.S. Treasury Department and the, and the Biden administration to juice this economy and keep it afloat as long as possible before the election. Um, there's a chance they can't do that and it falls apart before Biden gets tossed out. Uh, even if the economy stays good on, on, on the surface paper-wise, not reality-wise, Trump probably still wins or Kennedy has a good shot too, but let's, let's just, let's assume Trump wins. They could crash the economy afterwards and pull the plug and leave him with the mess. So there's a mess coming either way. There's a mess now before the election or a mess after. So that that's the game plan is, is if they think they're going to lose, they're going to, they're going to leave this on oh, Trump's doorstep. There's no question. They're absolutely going to going to stop and pull out all the, the uh, moves that they've made to prop this thing up. Uh, and leave him with a mess. And then, of course, they're going to come out and say Trump killed the economy. But assuming all that, how quickly could he turn it around? Is this is it going to be like a battleship or can he make some changes that are going to remedy the situation very quickly? I think perhaps uh, releasing uh, our ability to generate our own energy is, is going to help uh, quite a bit, won't it? Yeah. So one of the things he did when he got into office in 2016 was reduce regulatory uh, you know, reduce the re the regulatory government bureaucrats from harming Americans. He could do that again. That would free up a lot of friction, uh, and activity would begin again. There'd just be a surge of small business consumer confidence, like there was in 2016 and 17 when Trump got in. You got to remember, before Trump got in, there was a lot of uh, uh, economic confidence was low, and business startups were quite low. Once right. Trump came in, he, we had this, uh, you know, the. Uh, the animal spirits were revived. So I think it's a, it'd be a combination of him reducing regulations, turning back on the energy of the country, uh, the Keystone Pipeline, making it easier for people to drill in the U.S. And that would get things going. But it's still it's going to it's going to be a big it's going to be a big project to pull this economy out of uh, th this problem. So it, it's going to be a lot of work. But I think I think it could happen quickly if the American people get a lot of confidence in the future. Right now, there's not a lot of confidence in the future. There absolutely is. And in all the polls, whether it's the Gallup poll or some of these university polls, they're all showing uh, very, very poor economic uh, forecasting on the on the part of the people being polled. They're, 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 not, they're not confident that next year is going to be better than this year. And they already know that this year is a lot worse than last year was. Yeah, absolutely. So if you could get, regain the confidence of the American people, you'd, you'd see the animal spirits come back and and and, a, and, a, and a, an tightening of the regulations. That those would be two big things. One of the things, and I know enough about monetary policy and the Fed to to be dangerous. But one of the things that people are very concerned about is the M two, the money supply that's been used to prop up this economy. And there's a lot of talk that the actual financial system itself that our monetary system might collapse and it, are these baseless fears that are being used to push uh digital currencies or are they is it something that is indeed a, a threat well the problem is money supply is measured by m2 if you look at it on a year-over-year -year growth rate change 
it hasn't gone negative since 1930. And it went negative in uh, November of uh, 2022 when the Fed went on its unprecedented rate hikes. And by the way, uh, they whipsawed the economy because during COVID, they printed so much money, the rate over rate, right. rate year over year growth went to a new high. So we went to a new high in year over year growth in M2, and then we slammed on the brakes so hard that it went negative. Uh, the the monetary effects of these two things take about 18 months to be felt in the real economy. So remember, March 2020, we, we printed like gangbusters. Inflation started uh, late fall 21. Uh, we started seeing negative year over year growth in M2 in November 22. 18 months is this May. So we're right in the sweet spot for a credit crisis, in my humble opinion. We saw some warning signs last March when Silicon Valley Bank went bust. Right. And I don't think that those have gone away. Yeah, they, yeah. they were my bankers back when I was in the uh, software industry. That just absolutely shocked me. Yeah, and, and, and that hasn't gone away. The, the Fed has you know, put a temporary Band-Aid on there with the bank term lending program, but all that has done is slow the process. It doesn't make it go away. So if May is uh, the entering of the danger zone, what can people do to protect their savings? What can they do to, to protect their ability to purchase the goods and services they need just to survive? Well, when, when, uh, as we roll into a recession, uh, the word that you're going to be hearing more often than not is deflation. So that, does that mean that prices are going back to pre-Obama uh, 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 Biden regime? No. What it means, though, is uh, prices of stocks, bonds, real estate, uh, you know, valuations of and even commodities will go lower. So there'll be some price relief. And uh, in, in, in those types of environments, holding financial assets can be risky. So you want to be uh, in have some of your portfolio, at least in cash or cash equivalents, meaning money market funds or or uh, U.S. government T-bills. And right now you're getting paid five percent to just sit and wait uh, as the economy kind of goes into a re recession where we do know stocks historically don't do well. And especially from these new all time highs, when, when this finally bites, I don't think stocks are going to look good come the end of 2025. So. Stocks are going on sale is what you're saying. They're going to be. And so what you do is you, you go to the sidelines with some of your cash, some of your portfolio, and then go back in. When, the headline, when you and I are talking about the end of the world, that's the time to buy. Right. And the, if you happen to, if you're thinking about selling your house or you happen to own some uh, rental real estate, now might not be a bad time to sell, park your cash for 5%, and then wait until the credit crunch comes and uh, and move that into a new home as real estate prices drop? Is that a good strategy? Well, yeah, real estate is always local, but uh, at least on the financial asset side, like stocks and, and corporate credit bonds, homes are trickier because it's all local. Uh, so, so, uh, obviously, California and uh, New York are in free fall because everyone's fleeing right. the state, whereas you know Texas and, and Florida are still doing well because you know supply and demand. But generally right. speaking, real estate will, will correct and go lower in, in a recession. So again, then maybe cash, not cash out your 401k, but move it all into uh, into money market instruments or into T-bills, et cetera. It just yeah, usually, cash usually, or cash usually, equivalents. Yeah, usually money, if you're part of a corporate money market fund offering and you work at a company, all you do is you go into your website and you can click right. from you just your stocks. Yeah. Your, yeah, and that's it. And, and whether that's... 10% or 100%, that's up to you, but doing something probably not a bad idea.
that's excellent advice because I know people are really worried out there. Yeah, a lot of people are worried, and uh, it's been my advice for the last year and a half. And uh, you know, it's it's you know, getting paid five. You got to remember, we had zero interest rates for fourteen years. Now you're getting paid five percent to wait. Uh, and once the recession begins, the Federal Reserve will start lowering interest rates again. So right. that's uh, that, and that'll that'll force people out of uh, cash equivalents into stocks and bonds at the bottom. Usually, that's great. In the couple minutes we have left, your book "Cause Unknown: The Epidemic of Sudden Deaths in 2021-2022," as we discussed last time you were on, that's continuing. We just had a a champion pole vaulter from Canada dies suddenly at the age of 24 this week. Do you think that eventually it's going to be something that can't be ignored and people are going to finally wake up to realize that that Pfizer and Fauci have just been peddling poison? You know, I can't speak to any one individual case, but it's certainly this head type of headline we're seeing all the time with frequency, which, as you know, you're 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 my age. We're we're we're, we're you know right. We're, we're we're in our fifties and sixties. We didn't. This didn't happen when we were growing up. This was not a thing. Now it's a thing, and they're trying to normalize it. And when I go step back from just the headlines and the anecdotes into the big data, excess deaths amongst millennials and, and working age people, uh, while off its highs in twenty one and twenty two, is still absurdly running around ten to twenty percent, depending upon the country. It's a joke. It not only did it never happen when we were younger, but we didn't see ads on TV. Like I, I, I was walking past a television a couple of months ago and the ad began, when your child has a cardiac event, when my child has a cardiac event, and it was an ad for the cardiac care center at a local hospital, I was gobsmacked. I couldn't believe that we were even trying to normalize this. Yeah, no, we're living in some sort of dystopian uh, you know, Philip K. Dick novel. I, I, I'm just, I, and when I try to talk to people uh, who are seemingly smart, who are educated, a lot of them don't get it. I find people that work with their hands and in the real world seem to be getting yes. this a lot more than everybody else. You know, there's an awful, it takes an awful lot of ability to be able to make something that actually works. And you're exactly correct. The people that do that often have a lot more on the ball uh, than than other people in the in the wider society. The book is Cause Unknown, The Epidemic of Sudden Deaths in 2021-2022. Get that on Amazon or your local bookstore. Follow Ed on X at Dowd Edward. It's his name, Edward Dowd, but reversed. At Dowd Edward, you're going to get a ton of great information, and it's one of the best feeds on X. I can't thank you enough for coming on, Ed. I really look forward to our next conversation. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Have a great uh, afternoon. Thanks so much. That's it for tonight's Reckoning on TNT. Stay tuned for the Havorier Moritz Show. I'm Timothy Shea. Until next time, God bless you. God bless these United States. Keep fighting the good fight.